This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Wednesday morning, everybody. I am Glenn Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Jamie Jennings, and I'm in Norman, Oklahoma, and you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for May 27th, episode 2443, brought to you today by Stateline Tech. Good morning, Horse World. We don't do it for the glamour, for the glory, or the shiny trophies. We don't do it for the perfect moments, for the easy jobs, or the immaculate outfits. We do it for the love, for the love of this life, for the love of equestrian. We do it for their gentle touch, the warm breath on our necks, the scratches and the cuddles. We do it for the kisses, the sea spray on our faces, the shared treat at the end of a long day. We do it for the smell of the tack room, of horses being shod, of rain on the grass before we head out. We do it for the sound of heartwarming greetings, hoof beats and bird song on an early ride, celebrations when things finally click. We do it for that special feeling. When we're flying across the country and floating through the sky. We do it for that little knot of excitement surge of power and adrenaline, the belief that together we are unbeatable. We do it because it's our passion, because we've always done it, and we always will. We do it for the love, for the love of this life, for the love of equestrian. Wow. It took me a minute, Glenn. It took me a minute. <laughs> Why don't you tell everybody who that was? Well, if you didn't recognize her <laughs> voice, that was Kaylee Kuko, and she is doing a, apparently a series for the FEI. And I don't know, she has her own production company now, and you need to watch a video. I'll post a link to it in the show notes. But the videos, I mean, the video with the voiceover is pretty incredible, the shots they have. And you could tell this was well done quality so she has a production company i'm wondering if her production company is not doing these videos and there's going to be a bunch of them involving other big names across the uh, horse world and stuff but yeah nobody's asked me to do one yet that's weird um but <laughs> <laughs> no i I've, i don't think i've ever called it like like the way that she used the word the love of equestrian and i think that, is that a thing yeah i think when you go into some of the european countries they say that in french and german uh they okay. call it equestrian so i think that's more of a universal world thing than us uh but yeah i mean i i, I if that didn't give you goosebumps to start off your wednesday morning For the love of horses, I want them to put their (laughs) breath on my neck. Oh, I loved it. And she did a good job there. As soon as I heard that voice, I was like, oh, Glenn, he loves her. (laughs) Well, I got to get her on a way uh, somehow on this show. I know. It's almost like she was on the show today. It was. It was. I interviewed her, and that's what she said, the love of equestrian. That's what we got out of it. Yeah. So anyway, there's a whole bunch of those videos coming out, and apparently the FBI has nothing better to do now, so that's what they're doing. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Well, today we continue Olympic Week with freelance editor Margaret Freeman. Margaret shares some of her favorite equestrian moments from the seven Olympics she covered. 
The Horse Nutrition Podcast Horse Health Segment is with Peter Day. He's a farrier out of England on how how shoeing can affect a horse's symmetry. And you're taking that one because that was a deep study. Plus, we take a look at stocks and the 401k in the Chicory Wealth Finances for Horses uh, installment that we have for you today. Plus, we have some weird news and maybe a list here at the end of the show. We have a jam-packed day full of stuff for you. Weird news is going to make you hungry, Glenn. I'm already oh, hungry. Yeah. <laughs> I started off the day hungry today. I got up at two in the morning and had a snack. Are so, you serious? Yes. I don't know why. I woke up starving and I never do that. I'm not one of those that snacks at two in the morning, but I was really hungry. So I thought, well, what's stopping me? I'm an adult. I can get up at two in the morning and have a snack. <laughs> I'm a grown up. I'm why allowed did, to why eat. Why did I feel guilty though? It's just weird. I'm not used to doing that. I guess a lot of people do it, but I don't know. Do you get up at two in the morning and have a snack? No, but when, right before bed, my husband will want something sweet so bad. Like he wants a cookie, he wants yeah. something with sugar in it. And to me, I want something with salt. So he'll have a cookie and I'll have like a pretzel, you know? <laughs> Why? That's so weird. Just what your body craves at certain times. But if you're hungry, dang it, you're a grown man. Get some food. Now play Daily Winnies. <laughs> Hold on. Well, oh, wait a minute. We still have uh, we still have Kaylee going there too. Sorry about that. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> Please don't cut. Sorry, Kaylee. Uh. Happy birthday! Happy birthday! Happy happy birthday to you! <laughs> we have a lot of auditor birthdays today. Emily Parmenter from Alaska, and I just two days ago had memories pop up on Facebook of when we spent the day with her in Anchorage and got to drive draft horses, and then they took us out to dinner, and that was just two years ago. It seems like a lifetime ago. Claire Kirsch, Chelsea Tipton, Shona Ensign, and host of Wisdom by Wisa, Casey Wilbanks-Coletti, and it's Uncle Jimmy's birthday! Happy birthday to all of you. Also, a special recognition to our friend who was just on the show. Wasn't Darlene Newman on the show just a couple weeks ago? Yes. She does a show uh, that's called Travels with Darlie. And, of course, she has done Equitrekking forever. She does both of those shows. And Equitrekking has won a number of Emmy Awards. And Travels with Darlie was just nominated for a Daytime Emmy Award. So she has more Emmys than anybody we know. She's like, do you think she's like, oh, God, I got to get a dress again. I got to red carpet again. I got to do the red carpet. (laughs) Yeah, so congratulations to Darlie and her whole team. I don't, I tried to see, she didn't post what the Emmy was for, so I have no idea. But uh, hopefully she gets it. She was nominated. And congratulations to her. My Daily Winnie goes out to all of the listeners and auditors and strangers and friends that have reached out to me um, just about Zeus and and everybody kind of going, has he pooped yet? (laughs) So Zeus had a colicky episode on Sunday and uh, we were really close to going to the clinic on Monday, of course, Zeus is the Mustang that I have uh, that is always a lot of fun on the show. And uh, I didn't have to end up taking him to the clinic. Basically, what my vet recommended is I, I put him in a stall, which was probably the worst torture for him ever. So he had to stand in a stall and I had to feed him like a little handful of hay every couple hours and see if we could. I, I've never heard it put like this. Reset his GI tract. So. He didn't get to eat all night long. Reboot. And then we, you turn yeah, him off and turn him exactly, back on. <laughs> exactly. Control, alt, delete. Yeah. <laughs> Task manager, shut it down. <laughs> Let's restart it. <laughs> and that is pretty much what we had to do. And uh, it's worked. So, um, so far, so good. You know, I, he's still not really as as uh, prolific in the poo department as he needs to be, but it, it's definitely a better and he feels better and he's bright, alert and sassy and mad at me. So typical Zeus. So he's back to, back to it. We had a lot so. of comments on Monday's show, by the way, Thanks, more than everybody. usual. Um, and I just want to tell everybody, we're not going to talk about the S or the B word today. And anybody that listened on Monday will know what I'm talking about. I don't even know what the B word is. Bugs. 
Oh. <laughs> skunks and bugs or Sk- snakes and bugs? Snakes, skunks, and bugs. S, S, and B. We're not going to talk about any of those today. You apparently creeped a bunch of people out on Monday. So. That skunk is still in my manure pile, by the way. <laughs> And there we go. Now we are talking about it's it. It's still there. Chad, like, it was like, I'll air rifle. Like, no, he won't. He didn't have his BB gun. Like, nothing happened. The thing was, like, sprayed at him and kept digging. <laughs> yeah, well, the one thing about a skunk and a porcupine is they can pretty much do what they want. They just they get a lot away with it. Yeah. So to update on the skunk, 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 y'all ain't living with it like I am, okay? Oh, well, and there I just broke my promise. Apparently we are going to talk about it today. <laughs> I'm glad to hear Zeus is feeling better. That was good. Uh, Thank you. And everybody's so sweet. I know. I, I, there must have been 50 people that asked you. <laughs> kept it was pop-up. awesome. I got text message and private messages and all sorts of things. And then some of my one of my friends who's actually an auditor who doesn't didn't know he was sick was like, oh, Oh my God, I just saw Zeus was sick in the auditor room. Like, what happened? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's uh, when when you're an auditor, you get you get to hear all these things because misery loves company. That's right. <laughs> there's a lot of interesting conversations going on in the auditor room. So, uh, speaking of auditors, there's a couple quick things here. Uh, we were waiting, you know, COVID sort of held up shipments of a lot of things, including the mugs that we send out to auditors that are at their ten dollar level. So we've had a couple of months worth of people that are either increased to the $10 level or have started in at the $10 level. And I will tell you, Jennifer brought a large shipment of boxes to the post office yesterday. And there's another one going out Thursday. We did get the mugs in. I ordered a 25 mugs and every one of them is gone. We, we are shipping out 30 packages this week. That's awesome. So your your mugs are going out. Look for those and uh, you, you'll find them. Also, tomorrow night, there is a special thing going on in the auditor's room. Uh, Helena and I will be hosting, along with Nikki, one of our auditors uh, here at uh, in our auditor room, we'll be hosting the WTF Advice Hour. And we've got a lot of questions from auditors that apparently they want us to tackle. And these are not training questions. We let those for Jamie uh, and and Mary. And, you know, we let those for Stacy, Jamie, and Mary. We are taking on the personal questions, the relationship problems, and the barn drama. That's what we're taking on. And I can guarantee you it'll be tomorrow night, Thursday night at 8 o'clock. It'll also be put out on the special auditor feed as well uh, in audio form. But um, this will not be safe for work, and it will not be safe for your children. So please do not have them around. It's the first adult show we're doing because we're not putting it out on a public feed. So I, of course, won't be swearing, but the two Italian women from New Jersey probably <laughs> will. So, yeah. uh, that, that's uh, coming up tomorrow night. So if you want to become an auditor, just go to horseradionetwork.com. Scroll down the right-hand side of the page. You'll see an auditor banner. It's for as little as $3 a month. You can help support the network. We, to, you know, to be perfectly honest, we've had a decrease in the amount of advertisers since COVID started. We expect some of those will come back here, you know, as things get reopening again. But a lot of, you know, a lot of the companies we deal with were hurt by this too. So the extra support would be appreciated if you want to give back a little to, if you enjoy the show, we give half the money we take in every month back to the hosts of our shows. Uh, so Jamie gets a piece of that and she gets a little bit of a raise every month and she appreciates that too. So you can do that just by going to horseradionetwork.com and for a little as $3 a month, you too can help support the network and become part of the auditor room and get the special content. We also do, we'll have an after show today. So after the show's over, we usually hang around and talk to the auditors about whatever comes up. Uh, I don't know why people listen to it. It's just ridiculous, but uh, they do. <laughs> it's nonsense. <laughs> and that hey. also is not safe for work, by the way. So Yeah, probably. Uh, um, no, I do want to tell you, too, I, I had another horse adopted. This COVID has made people just go horse crazy. So the little liver chestnut mare that I really like that I've been training, uh, her name is Zim's Lemon Drop, and one of our... And, uh, auditors named her Zelda uh, has has she's now going to go be a polo pony. That's so terrific. exciting! Yay. Yeah, you've done a lot of them have gone to be polo ponies. Yeah, but th- three of them so far um, because I well three and then three to one woman in Texas. So what happens is she contacted me about one a long time ago, and I was like, mm, I don't think that one will fit, but I'll let you know when I have one. 
And then I called her and I was like, Hey, I got one. That's perfect. So she came up and she was like, yep, I like it. Okay. Just let me know when you have ones like it. So now I just call her and I'm like, got you a polo pony. And she's like, okay, great. I'll come get it. So we have a great relationship now that like works wow, symbiotically. People all talk to each other too. So yeah. 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 And so and then some other ones, <laughs> Well, they do. And yeah. you know what? I mean, what's amazing is the amount of education that polo ponies get. I mean, it is, she adopted one, the first one six months ago from me and is now just taking it out on, uh, uh, like to matches and stuff where she's, she teaches and she's going to be sitting on this horse while teaching it. She's like, I can swing a mallet off of her now. You know, it's just, they, it's polo ponies have very good education. If uh, it is just amazing how, how educated they get, they are riding out in fields, they're trotting and cantering well, up and down on a mallet going by their face and they're crashing into other horses like hockey players. I mean, yeah. I just, I don't know. It always seems like a very rough thing. No, they are incredibly well-educated horses. So it's really neat to, to like when, when she said she'll take her, I was like, yay, she's going to go have a good life and be educated. And unfortunately they do shave their forelocks off, which is irritating, but <laughs> <laughs> is that so they don't get caught in things? I, 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 I don't know why the whole forelock has to go. Um, but apparently if you listen to race to horse radio, our show, we talked about it and the ones that are still green have their forelocks, but once they're professional, pull, I, I may, I may be making this up. I may be opposite, well, but Scooter there's must a, be a professional polo pony because he takes his own forelock out over the summertime. Oh, nothing no. left by the end Does, of summer. Are you serious? Yeah, so Does he, he rub it out? it out? He rubs it out. It's completely gone by the end of summer. No matter what we do even with a well he he doesn't keep fly masks on so you know that's i was gonna talk about tick prevention right now but you said we can't talk about any bugs no no bugs today why don't we go to our guest who's waiting for us (laughs) okay (laughs) see see everybody can thank me later because there goes jamie let's talk about ticks bugs and skunks and snakes well we have a continuing kind of our olympic week here we have another person monday we had a photographer who has been to like uh seven or eight olympics and today we have margaret freeman on who is a freelance editor but she also worked for the associated press doing their coverage at seven different Olympics. And she's also executive secretary of the United States Dressage Federation, which we, you know, the the Dressage Show on the Horse Radio Network, Reese and Philip do, is the official show for the USDF. So she's also an S judge. And uh, and we're going to talk to her a little bit about how you become a judge, too, and what that involves and what all the letters mean. They have like 14 different letters of judges, and I have no idea what all that means. I'm a uh, Z judge. I don't know what that means. So let's get Margaret on here and we're going to give her a call and talk well margaret thank you for joining us today we really appreciate it thank you for asking me so you've been to seven olympics you know we had diana de rosa on on monday as part of our olympic week who's obviously a photographer and you're covering it from the press side of things uh but how incredible i don't know too many people in the world that get to go to seven olympics (laughs) well and it was Somebody else was paying my wife, so that helps. Yeah, um, <laughs> definitely helps. <laughs> so, where did which um, Olympics did you start at? Um, the first Olympics I did was '76 in Vermont in um, Canada, and that came about. I was working for a newspaper in Wilmington, Delaware, and um, Chester County, Pennsylvania, was part of our readership area. And I went to my editor and said, you know. Um, if you pay my way up there, I already had my tickets arranged in housing. I was going to go anywhere. I said, if you pay my way, I might be able to bring back a gold medal article uh, for our newspaper. And it turned out exactly that um, Mike Plum and Bruce Davidson for on the event team won gold. And so they ended up the newspaper ended up paying my expenses uh, for that week. Now, Did so anybody that was... think that Mike Plum and Bruce Davidson would not win the gold? <laughs> I mean, come on. Well, Mike was in how many Olympics? So, no, he didn't win every time. Uh, he has two team gold um, and a sil- individual silver, but he was one of, I think his first Olympics was... Uh, 1964 in Tokyo, uh, maybe 1960. So he was on a lot of Olympic teams. At one point, I think he was tied for the most 
of any athletes, um, not just equestrian. And of course, then um, Ian Miller has since surpassed that. You know, uh, I was two Canada. then, and I'm old. So that just shows you okay. he was riding way back when. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That was before helmets were really helmets, and uh, you, when you fell off, you broke things. Uh, there was no well, when, uh, well, you, you still break things when you fall off. But back then, I was at that. I was taking lessons from or clinics with my and Bruce Davidson back in the seventies, and we just wore hunt caps. We didn't wear helmets with straps. Um, you know, and went cross country that way. Uh, I knew people who actually wore football helmets. Um, if they needed a strap, and they would buy their strap helmets from the racetrack. Um, <laughs> but the '76 was the first Olympics, and I and I had my tickets for Moscow, and then that got canceled. Um, and then in '84 in Los Angeles, <clears throat> excuse me. By that point, um, my husband was a sports editor of USA Today, and because of that, I knew the sports editor of the Associated Press, and. They upped their coverage of all the Olympics uh, because it was in the United States. And he asked me to cover the equestrian events. And I was the only non-staffer, non-AP staffer they took. Uh, but he knew that I was a journalist and knew that I could do what, what it was they needed. So I, I got a little bit lucky in that regard. Um, so that was in Los Angeles. And then, I mean, the AP really had a policy of not taking non-staffers. And then in 96, when the Olympics was back in Atlanta, I got called again by the AP because their sports there was concerned that there would be um, some heat-related stories out of Atlanta and was because, of course, the forecast for the heat was huge. And um, they decided they wanted to take somebody who, you know, really knew something about horses to cover the equestrian event. So they came back to me. And then after that, I just, they just kept asking me again every four years. So I got really lucky in that regard. Well, and and it was, you know, it was I, also kind of cool that the Associated Press decided to include horses in their coverage. I mean, there were, there weren't, well, there weren't a lot of mainstream uh, publications back then that were covering the horse events. They were, they could, no, I, I think that, the Associated Press was covering everything. That was their job. So, because they weren't, they had to cover every event, in archery. It didn't matter what it was, with as much intensity as possible. Because remember, they go around the world, so it wasn't just for the United States. But, but so, what I was really pleased about was that they actually felt that they could, they needed somebody who had equestrian knowledge in the concern that when you involved horses beyond just the human, that there would be more other concerns. Um, and, you know, throughout that whole period, well, every time I worked for them, I always kind of felt my audience, which is very different. Working for the Associated Press is very different than, say, working for an equestrian magazine. Um, my audience was the sports editors at the individual newspapers and media of various types, um, including gradually at that point websites. If I wrote my articles in such a way that captured their interest, then they would run the article about equestrian in their papers. You see what I'm saying? So Associate Press, I think, was trying very hard to give equestrian its due but they were doing the same thing with all the sports because that was their responsibility. And, you know, they, for example, this stuff was also being transmitted in Europe where it got much more, it was picked up much more readily, of course, than it was in the United States. But what would very often mean somebody would pick up an article from the Associated Press might be if an athlete involved was from where they lived. Well, so... Let's, let's it was talk very of, important for me to identify, say, Amy Tryon from Washington, Seattle, Washington. So the Seattle paper might be picking up her that article because Amy Tryon was in it. So what uh, what do you have? One or two of your favorite memories, uh, competition wise, from all those years, ones that really stick out to you. Well, if, okay. So if we're talking seven Olympics, I have I have some very very strong memories and I have some moments 
that I feel that could only have happened at an Olympics. But if looking back on seven, looking back at so 21 different sports events in, in that period, if I had to pick one, it would, and I think there's a lot of people who would agree with me, it was Reiner Klimka's victory round, gold medal uh, celebration round in the Los Angeles Olympics. I don't know if you heard anything about that. Um, but, um, you know, it was in Los Angeles. It was about 30,000 people was at the Santa Anita racetrack. And on one side was a grandstand from the racetrack. On the other side, they had a huge up and grandstand. Very knowledgeable dressage crowd. You know, of course, reasonably partisan American, but they were appreciative of dressage. And so they had the gold medal ceremony. They had the medal ceremony for the individual. And the rider, three riders went around the outside of the ring. And then Klimka continued around the ring one more time. One-handed did 101 tempies around the outside of that ring, one-handed, and then finished with an extended trot. And there were 30,000 people screaming at the top of their lungs. It was amazing. Well, if you can picture it. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if there, is there still a video of that, I wonder? Yes, there is. Is there? And, yeah. and People talk about it. The videos um, that I've seen, you can find them on YouTube. Uh, of course, don't quite do it justice. Um, they're, I don't remember if they're in color. But what's interesting is people went back and counted the number of changes he made, and it was at least 100. One tippies. One-handed. With 30,000. I know you probably have, you know, I know asking uh, a reporter to pick out a favorite moment is like asking, you know, what's your favorite kid? Because we've covered so much (laughs) through the years. I get that. Uh, You know, one of the things, other things I wanted to chat with you a little bit about is you're an S judge, right? For the USCF. So what do the letters mean? I've always heard this. and, And those of us that aren't, you know, fully in dressage or fully in jumping or whatever, we hear the letters, but we have no idea what they mean. I assume they're what level you can judge at? Correct. And there are different agencies that that license judges or or regulate judge levels. So in the United States, there's basically three agencies involved. One is the USDF and they have the training program, the basic training program for judges. They so if you finish that training program, you're designated as an L, which means learner. It's not a license. But what that would mean is that you've, you've accomplished a very rigorous training program, and those people um, mostly do schooling shows. They can't do recognized shows. By recognized, I mean USEF yep. recognized. Yep. So then the USEF has three levels, small R, large R, F. Small R can judge through second level, large R through fourth level, and S through Grand Prix. At you at United States national shows. And okay. Then, see, I thought it was. Um, the, I'm glad I asked you that because I always thought it was the other way around. I thought the large R was the biggest one, but it S is the <laughs> biggest one. Large R is for jumpers. Is the is the top level for jumpers, okay. but not for gosh. I got it. Okay. So, so if you were confused by the large R, it's because you were thinking about what the jumper people. Of course, did. they couldn't S all be is, the same. You know that. No. <laughs> <laughs> and and it got confused because of, of um, it used to be an I, and the international rating used the same thing, so it got very confusing. And then, um, so then they reverted to the S, which means senior. And then the right. FEI, the international organization, has its own ratings, which is now a star rating, um, and, but that is just for international shows. So you can have international shows in the United States, and you have to use FEI rated judges to that. I can't judge those. But they might be on the same grounds at the same time. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So I might be judging a Grand Prix class in the national show, but you'd have an international judge doing the CDI over in the next ring. And that, that's and a separate judging, license? We'd be judging the same test. That's a separate testing and separate training and separate licensing altogether. Do you have the, to be the, a the national FEI judge to be an FEI judge, or can you be an FEI you judge alone? Be, you have to be put forward by your national federation. Got it. And the United States only puts forward judges who have got their S. Got it. Okay. So you're already you already have experience is what it comes down to. Correct. Yeah. 
Okay. Well, you clarified that. I had no idea what all of that meant. And I'm good friends with Reese and Philip, and they do they do the Dressage Show, which is the official show for the USDF, and they talk about this all the time. And I was just always confused. <laughs> so I'm glad you clarified. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not that. It's small or large RS, national show, and you got it. Okay, good. That was the best way I've ever heard that explained. Well, you know what? Thank you so much for joining us. We've run out of time today, uh, but we appreciate you being here, and uh, we're all looking forward to watching Olympics next year in Tokyo. And, um, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's going to happen. I'm thinking positive. We're okay. going to do it. All right. Th- thanks a lot, Margaret. Really appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Thanks. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. What's going on at State Line Tech? Oh my gosh, they still have the Memorial Day Super Sale event, Glenn, and um, it's just dangerous. I can't, I can't have this company sponsoring our podcast because then I have to go online and look and research and see what's on. And they have the Memorial Day Super Sale event. 20% off of like Amigo Rambo Rhino fly sheets, buy one, get one saddle pads. Oh my God. And then really exciting. They have Kensington products that are on clearance. And if you click on the Kensington, uh, I'll, let me give a recommendation because when I lived in Arizona, the flies, you always had to get fly masks. So I would get the fly masks, the Kensington fly masks, cause they're super cute and plaid and, and they really last a long time. But now here in Oklahoma, you don't need fly masks. You need fly boots cause the flies attack their feet. You don't and last on? year, no, they don't bother their really? eyes at all. Huh, and now that. I have 4,000 Kensington fly masks <laughs> that I don't use. Uh, though I have now the ones with the sun sunblock on the noses for a couple of the horses. But right now, now I have to use the Kensington fly boots. But if you have used fly boots before, you know that they, they Velcro on your horse's leg and they stomp and then they get down, they get tangled all around their feet. Kensington makes non-collapsing fly boots. And I've tested them now. This is my second year with them and they are still holding up. Just so you know, you can go to State Line Tag, they have Kensington non-collapsing fly boots starting at $27. Hmm. So they're usually 40 So it's a great deal if you need They have the long nose fly mask for Kensington too. Like Zara has like a purple and then, you know, like Zeus, his fly boots are that for some reason, he does not eat the Kensington fly boots. He appreciates them, puts some bell boots on or some leg wraps. They're toast, but he will not eat the fly boots. It's very strange. You think that's why he got sick? He was eating bell boots. Uh, he, he'll, he'll rip them. I don't put them on him anymore. <laughs> I learned I would put the bell boots on him and then walk out of the stall to get the bridle, come back in and bell boots are off. Ripped. <laughs> So anyway, these he leaves on. I don't know why he he magically understands that they're going to help him. So anyway, you can go to State Line Tack to look at that. I kind of focused on that for this commercial, but that's what I really love, the Kensington products. And uh, they also have Tough Rider, Baker stuff is on sale. So you can definitely find it all. Carrots, yeah. Coming into the summer season, yeah. For carrots, breeches. HDR saddles are 30% off. Oh, my God. Okay, so StateLineTack.com. Let me get out of here. Get me out of here. (laughs) I don't need more boots, but I'm going to buy because they're a deal. It's like they're free. <laughs> well, today's Horse Health Report is brought to you by the Horse Nutrition Podcast on the Horse Radio Network. The Horse Nutrition Podcast covers topics you will love. It highlights the world's most extraordinary horses, how they're trained, and what kind of nutrition they're given, a part of Purina's Full Rain documentary series. Go to PurinaMills.com slash Full Rain to see all of the documentary uh, films as well as the podcast. We just released another one this morning, and it's about the Purina Animal Nutrition Center and their breeding program and how, how, they, uh, how, how they work with breeding and foals to learn about nutrition and, and all of that. And it's so interesting because all of their horses pretty much get adopted out and people are waiting in line to get their horses. So uh, you know that if you're getting a horse out of the Purina's uh, farm that you're going you're gonna to have a horse that's well-treated and well-fed. So it's healthy. Yeah, exactly. So they're going to – we just put that one out today, so look for that on your podcast players as well. Well, today we're going to get really deep into studying anatomy and how it relates to horses and horses' Locomotion. 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 Let me see if we can get Peter on here. Now, Peter is from England, and uh, tell us a little bit about Peter while we... 
Okay, I'll tell you a little about Peter. He has worked as a farrier at the RVC for over 20 years. What is the RVC, you say? I'm going to get to that in a minute. Royal Veterinary College, okay? He's a farrier for the Royal... You didn't put all this information in the same place. Um, (laughs) And he's a graduate of the Graduate Diploma of Equine Locomotion Research. Basically, this dude knows some feet. And so we are going to talk to Peter Day. Well, Peter, thank you so much for joining us. Where in the world are you right now? Okay, I'm in um, a little village um, just outside of Cambridge. So we're 20 minutes from Cambridge Town Centre. All right. I love little villages. Okay, so... <laughs> so, one, so one of those chocolate box villages, you know, uh, with uh, thatch cottages and all that kind of stuff. Oh, that sounds awesome. Well, tell us a little bit. We were just talking about the RVC, Royal Veterinary College, and you are a graduate diploma of the Equine Locomotion Research. Why don't you tell everybody what your research was about, your study? Okay, we all had to do a study for um, for this uh, graduation, for this uh, certificate. Um, so I looked at the effect of tungsten road nails um, in shoes on horses on tarmac. So I was basically looking to see if I could affect a horse's symmetry by a intervention in the shoe. What? Why a tungsten road nail? A tungsten is a metal. I know that because my husband's wedding ring is made out of tungsten. So why why tungsten? Well, because um, because the system we use, which is called Equigate um, Gate Analysis System, it works on the basis that um, you see a difference in one side of a horse to the other. So by adding a road nail, which is a bit of a red herring really because by adding the road nail we had an intervention in the shoe so one side was different to the other side so what i was trying to do was to see if i could measure symmetry in horses and the effect that maybe using different types of shoes might have on a horse's symmetry so while it was about a tungsten road nail in a shoe on tarmac the bigger picture is about um, measuring symmetry in horses Okay, so uh, let me ask a dumb question. Sorry, Um, is a road nail different than a regular nail? And what does tungsten do versus just, I don't know, a metal nail? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So tungsten, we we tend to fit tungsten road pins and um, their hardened metals into shoes to give grip. Um, They add grip and reduce slip. And so um, you might put them in a horse that's doing a lot of road work to give it grip and more traction. So uh, whereas one side would be, one shoe would become slippy um, after four or five weeks of wear with a road nail or a road pin, which is made of tungsten, which is a harder metal, that as the shoe wears down, you get more grip rather than slip. Okay, because thinking about it now, in the UK, y'all ride on pavement a lot more, you know, riding up and down the roads and, and, and uh, traveling yeah, on a, the road. We ride on, we ride on roads on tarmac, um, a certain number of what we would call uh, everyday users rather than the competition types of horses. The, uh, the, it's, a, it's a rude thing to say, a happy hacker, but people who have pleasure horses, they go out for roads, uh, hacks on the roads and through the bridle paths and across countryside. So it, it, a road nail gives um, grip to a horse's shoe when it's starting to wear thin. So the study was looking at, I like that term, happy hacker, by the way. <laughs> I know, it's, I it's, it's, it's a bit unfair to say that, but it's, it's a general term for people who have pleasure horses and, um, and they like, like to tootle around the countryside. So when you did this study, you were showing that, that, that you can make changes on the symmetry of the movement by using these different types of road nails. What, what did you find? Yeah, we found that we could affect, we could, af- we could affect, um, it, it's, it, it's, uh, we could affect, um, uh, hip hike and movement. So it's, it's to do with getting grip in, more grip in one side of the horse than the other side of the horse. 
So, and then you talking, you then start talking about are you getting more propulsion from having that intervention? So, broadening it out, you could be looking at um, using a particular type of shoe, which some might turn as a therapeutic shoe, and saying it does a particular job. Well, now we've proved that we can measure shoe interventions. We would be able to measure how that particular type of shoe might have an intervention on the horse's symmetry. So it's a big, broader picture, and um, I have come across since it was published, the paper, that people getting hung up on the fact that it was, I was using a road nail. I was, because of all the protocols that surround trimming shoe models and all the rest of it, we had to find a very simple way of adding an intervention that was measurable without having mm-hmm. to have new trimming and shoeing protocols surrounding the whole project. Gotcha. And uh, how did you choose the horses to be used in the study? Like, we, what we did you use? Horse. Well, we used, we used, um, we used a, a lot of general purpose horses. So some were, some were um, part carriage ridden horses. Some were, um, they did medium dressage to general purpose riding some um so we had about we had we had 10 horses that we took the data from in the study so they were um a broad collective of horses but they were um i don't know what i would warm blood type so they weren't thoroughbreds they weren't um heavy horses but they were good riding horses so i wasn't really worried the thing that the only thing that was quite important was having a similar size so we were looking between um 15 2 and 16 2 hands for for our cohort uh, rather than maybe having a little pony and a, a big big horse so the height was probably one of the important things having them all within a certain range all right. So, what did, what was the final like? The final. What did you learn from the study? But to wrap it up in a bow, what did you figure out? Well, the the, the, the as I say, the the, uh, the thing is that we're now in a position, having done this small pilot study, and um, we've proved that um, we can measure a horse's symmetry. So we can make a horse that's fairly symmetrical. We can make it asymmetrical by an intervention so that on that basis we measure horses using gait analysis for lameness and then a veterinarian might block a horse's foot to make the horse symmetrical because it's got a foot problem we can now look maybe towards shoeing um shoeing horses with different orthotics for a better word rather than surgical shoes shoeing a horse with an orthotic and being able to measure that to see if we've had an effect on its symmetry. So it was using this particular system, which isn't foot-based. It's based on the sacrum, withers, pole. And it's based on measuring high up on the horse. It's, it's measuring those symmetries that are in the horse. And we're able now to put numbers to what would normally be um, someone's perceived idea of improvement or right. lack of improvement. Right. Just kind of uh, into them just looking at it. You've got proof now. So where can people go to find this story? Because we found out about it on the plaidhorse.com uh, here in the U.S. Where can people find you? Um, well, uh, I, I'm, I'm based on a part-time basis in the Royal Veterinary College. I think you've got my email there. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but the paper is published um, and you had the link for that if people want to go. And unfortunately, I wasn't... It has to be paid for now by somebody who wants to read it purely because I would like to to be in free as- access, but I would have had to pay three thousand pounds oh for it to become free access. So um, I would love to have done it because I think all I think all knowledge should be free. Um, but it's very difficult. It was it was cost enough in time, effort, and money to get a paper published. I bet. Um, <laughs> To, the, to then pay another three thousand pounds to make it free access. Well, what, but, um, what we'll do is we'll post a link to the article on the plaid horse, which was really good. It was about it, so I think that's hmm. uh, that'll be that that'll work for our, for our listeners and then, for sure. Yeah, and they yeah. can go find out more from there. And uh, congratulations on getting your study published. 
That was there. And thank you all very much for, for taking the time and effort to contact me. It's been very much appreciated. Absolutely. Peter, we'll talk to you again soon, hopefully. Okay. You take care now. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Wow. There are things being studied about horses that you have no idea. <laughs> it's just like I'm just glad there's people out there trying to improve things. I'm just sitting here <laughs> doing nothing. <clears throat> Well, you're this improving health, things one little horse at a time. One little horse at a time. Uh, <laughs> this, this guy's taking segment. a look at the whole thing. <laughs> like, I know. Big picture. Some, you know what? What do they say when you uh, when you adopt a horse? You don't change the world, but you change that horse's world, right? Yep, that's right. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm doing. Just the one. <laughs> the science Just, of Jennifer, you know, has been doing special shoes after special shoes for Nigel because his feet are so screwed up. And her farrier is so good. Her farrier was here for three hours the other day doing two feet uh, because they're playing. Does that with... mean her farrier is really good or like it took forever? No, she's they're trying <laughs> all of these new, brand new kind of things and new kinds of shoes and new kinds of glue-ons. And, and Nigel's kind of become the experiment, I think, for this farrier. But would you get a farrier that really is into learning this new stuff? Yeah. And you have an owner that's willing to try. That must be exciting for him because, you know, it's got to get old just dealing with the same thing every day. And as the husband, do you, when the, she, she comes, are you like, the same, oh, same yeah. amount every time, which is $200 for two feet. But it's at least it's the same amount every time. And I do ask every time. Uh, I say, okay, she was here three hours today. Is she charging us by the hour? What's this going to cost me? What's this going to set me back? Hey, let me read the rest of the commercial yep. before you forget. This health segment was brought to you by the Horse Nutrition Podcast on the Horse Radio Network. Now in their third season, each show highlights some of the world's most extraordinary horses, how they're trained, and what kind of nutrition they're given to help fuel their performances. Episodes this year include training Hollywood movie horses, <clears throat> therapy horses, helping veterans, and an inside look at traditional charro horsemanship. It's all part of Purina's Full Rain documentary series. Go to PurinaMills.com slash Full Rain to see all the films, interviews, and podcasts. All right, uh, we also, it's time to continue our series on finances for horse do you want people. My, do you want weird news before that or after that? After that. We'll, we'll end the show with weird news today. So let's get to our uh, second part of this series. We are excited to bring you another educational series here on the Horse Radio Network. This time, we're going to talk about finances with certified financial planner Christina Kramlick of Chicory Wealth. As horse owners, finances are something that we are acutely aware of, and hopefully this series will help us better understand where we are and where we can go with our financial situation. Hi, Glenn the Geek here, and I am with Christina, and this is part two of our Horse Radio Network finances for horse people series that we are doing today we're going to talk about stocks the thing that everybody hears about all the time and we're also going to talk about something that some of you have at work it's a 401k and there's been some talk about loans and withdrawals from 401k and and some exceptions that have been made right now and is it a good idea so christina let's talk about stocks i know that uh i've had you guys on my facebook lives and we've talked a bit about this all through the all through the epidemic but where are we at now as more economic data comes out to measure the effects of this shutdown i think we're going to see more ups and downs in the equity markets over the next several months to 18 months you know the prices of stocks reflect the dynamics that are going on in the economy and right now there's just a ton of uncertainty so if you hold stocks in your mutual funds or directly individually you should really be paying attention to your allocations. And what does that mean? Allocation simply means how your investments are spread across industries. So when everything's going up, as it was for the last 10 years, allocating stocks seems easy because it's just, you know, it's a rising tide. But when we're in uncertain times, like we are right now, it's more difficult to predict what returns are going to be. It's a good time right now to revisit your portfolio, see how it's invested, and to make sure you're comfortable with the way it's allocated across industries. The recovery, whatever form it takes, is likely to be uneven over the next few years. Many sectors that were previously seeing solid, consistent growth over the last several years, now, at least in the last two months, have had an utter collapse in demand. And they may not come back online that quickly either. 
That's what we call the supply side. Then we have consumer behavior to consider on the other end, which is what people call the demand side. And that's things like how long will it take before people feel safe going to a theme park or on a cruise or on an airplane? That could take three to five years to come back fully. The airlines and travel industries, they're going to fundamentally change. And some companies may not come back at all. Why is this important to you? Well, if you own stocks or mutual funds that are invested in these areas, they're likely to have a hard time over the next few years. And you may want to reallocate your dollars elsewhere. So at Chicory Wealth, I know you guys have a very interesting and unique way uh, of investing in stocks and equities. Tell me about that. Sure. We think there's still opportunities for positive performance in portfolios that are focused on ESG or what's called in the industry environmental social governance focused stocks. This investment style tends to include large domestic companies in the consumer, healthcare, and technology industries that score well on a range of metrics, such as low debt to equity ratios, diverse board governance, sustainable business practices, low carbon emissions, among several other measures. It was kind of faddish until a few years ago, or it seemed like it was, but now it's become widely accepted and the awareness of it has increased as investors care more about climate change and boardroom diversity. So companies that have followed sustainable practices are actually doing really well in this environment. Um, it's interesting because the bull market that had gone on for so long, um, you know, like I said before, sort of a rising tide raises all boats. Well, the coronavirus has been the first major test of this approach, and the results have been generally positive. So, yes, full disclosure, this is the slant that my firm Chicory Wealth uses for our equity investments. And there are a lot of reasons we like this approach from both a quantitative and a qualitative perspective. Simply, it rewards the companies that are doing good. And I want to give you an example of why this approach makes sense right now. So a couple of weeks ago, the Wall Street Journal reported that the supermarket company Kroger uh, would pay a bonus to its frontline workers, give them paid uh, time off for those placed under quarantine, and make funds available to uh, those who are experiencing financial troubles during this pandemic. It just so happens Kroger rates highly on the MSCI ESG metrics regarding issues such as labor management. And after that news came out, the price of its stock rose about you know, 5% in about a month. By comparison, Walmart and Costco that rate lower on ESG rankings, according to the MSCI, fell about 3 and 12% respectively during that same period. Many large technology companies also score well on those metrics and they're included in the ESG-focused portfolios, including the ones that we manage at Chicory. These companies tend to score highly on ESG factors because they're positive treatment of employees and lower carbon emissions, among other reasons. Microsoft is one of these companies. They've got a AAA rating from MSCI, which is the highest score, because they have strong corporate governance, data security, and human capital development they score really well on. So in the big picture, these big drivers of ESG success which include all of the factors I've mentioned above, as well as less energy sector exposure, make it so that uh, a lot of these technology companies and domestic consumer products companies score well and also perform well. These companies that are doing the right thing seem to be getting rewarded for it. They treat their companies, their their workers well, they serve their customers well in these in this difficult environment, and they manage their supply chain well. And that's become top of mind for investors. So, Christina, I did see that there was some announcements about if you have a 401k at work, uh, we're not going to go through what that is. We're going to assume the people who have it know what it is, that they were, because of the uh, pandemic, they were changing some of the rules temporarily about taking money out of a 401k. Can you just go through that real quick? The CARES Act provides a lot of new flexibility for consumers to pull money out of their 401k in response to the crisis. It does not necessarily mean it's a good idea for you to do it, though. They've upped the loan limitations to $100,000 with no early withdrawal penalty. You know, you want to think about what the trade-offs are, are because, you know, you take money out of that and you forget to put it back in and you're borrowing against your future. You know, theoretically, you're going to need that money 
later in life. So what exactly do you need to do though? And how should you make these trade-offs? First thing is you need to check with your company's HR department as to whether your for, your specific 401k plan actually allows loans. Um, if it does, check the interest rate. You might be able to get another type of loan at a better rate. Also, check if they will allow multiple loans so you don't take out more than you need. And if you don't have to borrow the full amount, great, don't. If they do allow you to take multiple loans, take out a little at a time. That'll keep your borrowing lower and, you'll, and you know your requirement to pay back less. So if your plan doesn't allow loans, you can consider what they call a hardship withdrawal. And a withdrawal doesn't have to be repaid like a loan, but if you do pay it back, you'll get a refund of the taxes that you paid. One of the things you have to remember is you deferred taxes when you put the money in the 401k. So it still counts as income, taxable income, when you take it out, crisis or not. Keep in mind, retirement plans don't have automated repayment systems for withdrawals like they do for loans. You will have to remember to send checks or payments on your own, which, because we're human, you're not likely to do. So you've got to make a mental note to do that. The other issue is you'll probably need an accountant to help you claim the tax refund if you do pay it back, which is just another obstacle that'll make it more unlikely that you'll pay it back. So bottom line, if you're serious about um, putting back whatever amount you pull out, go with a loan because it makes the repayment easier. You'll also have more years to pay it back. Don't think you'll repay or if you are likely to lose your job, use the COVID-19 withdrawal. And to find out more about the services that uh, Trickery Wealth offers, Christina, tell us about that. Absolutely. We are a sustainable wealth management and uh, financial planning firm, and we offer cash flow planning, retirement planning, and financial life planning in general. We also have accounting services and tax preparation for our clients who want that as well. And we'd be glad to talk to you. Just go to www.chickerywealth.com. Thank you for joining us for our financial discussion today. These concepts are broad in nature and may or may not apply to you. The content is provided for informational purposes only. Please see your financial advisor or call Christina at chickerywealth.com to discuss your individual needs. That's chickerywealth.com. Well, we are going to do a couple of other things in today's show. You have some weird news for us, I hear. I did want to mention, though, remember how I was trying to talk you into doing the Mongol Derby? Yes. Mm -hmm. I do you can remember do it this year. that. You want to know how? You can do it this oh, year. Oh, my God. Is it virtual? Yes. They're, uh, because the Mongol Derby apparently has been called off this year, what they're going to do next year is they're going to run two Mongol Derbies three weeks apart. So everybody that was signed up this year will go on the first set next year. And then three weeks later, everybody that signed up for next year is going to... So there's going to be two Mongol Derbies next year. Oh, my God. You know what we could do is we could just do both. Let's do both. That sounds so fun. And you know, I don't want to do it once. You do joke it about that, but Devin Horn's the one that told me about this. And she made a joke, and Devin doesn't joke uh, too much about that kind of stuff. She said it would be very interesting for somebody to do both. And I said, I wonder who that somebody will be. So I wonder if she's gunning for both. Is she signed up for this year's? I don't know uh, for sure, but she's the one that organized the COVID Derby. So in August, over the 31 days of August, you ride 1,000 kilometers on a minimum of four horses. Now, I think that just, eliminates 99% of horse people. Just get her on and let her talk about <laughs> it. We need to have her explain this. Yeah, it's but, awesome. I mean, do, who has four horses? <laughs> There's too many of our audience. I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you don't have them long enough to, for a whole month. They They're not in, fit enough, that's for sure. 1,000 <laughs> <laughs> kilometers in 31 days, uh, that's a lot of miles a day. Uh, you can borrow your friend's horses. Yeah, and, you know, she said that she would even entertain people doing it on a bicycle. And I thought, well, I could, I, that's a challenge. But it's freaking August in Florida. I'd die. So, you have an electric bike. That can't count. <laughs> I have a regular bike, too. But still, it's August in Florida. Electric or not, I would die. 
So yeah, <laughs> that's not going to happen. Anyway, you want to do some weird news? Let's do it. All right. Uh, oh, we need a new weird news bumper, don't we? Yeah. Good. These are. These uh, stories are actually true, these weird news stories, just so you know. And I do find them online, and I collect them through the week or weeks. And um, so they may not be breaking news weird stories, but this one kind of is. And they're somewhat today all related. I did all animals last week, and I could not find one good animal story this week. But I did want to tell you that, Glenn, you can relax. Taiwan has launched its baseball season. Baseball is back in action in Taiwan. I know you were concerned about us not getting out there. Well, and, I was you know, concerned about your mental health because I know you love baseball. Well, here's what they, you still can't go see a baseball game. So what Taiwan did was decide to launch its baseball season with mannequins and cardboard cutouts. Even the mannequins and cardboard cutouts are wearing face masks, okay? And, like, you can see them. They're, like, wearing sunglasses. I thought the mannequins and cardboard cutouts were the audience. No. No, the, there's no there's no people allowed. So they've there's like man, I'm I'm looking at the picture here, and they've got like people that are holding signs up and wearing masks and sunglasses. They look like I don't know. They could be like there to murder people, and but they're all cardboard cutouts. So Taiwan, cool. Let's do it. Then Seoul, Korea was like, you know what? We're going to do this too. If they get to have games, we're going to bring back our Premier League, and we're going to have. Our own mannequins and our own cardboard cutouts. So Seoul, no, Korea. I'm confused. It's not the players that are the mannequins. It's the audience. The audience is the mannequins. Got it. Okay. <laughs> and cardboard cutouts. And they're holding signs. And they're like, go team. And, and you know, I think they paid. From what Korean. I heard, the, uh, you paid to have your face put on one of those things. I don't know that yes. because let me let me contest that for this. The Korean fans. Um, the K1... K-League first game was being played without spectators as part of efforts to combat the pandemic. So Seoul decided to hire a company to bring mannequins and cardboard cutouts to just make them look like they have, you know, thing. And all of them are wearing masks. And, you know, they looked up in the crowd and they're like, wow, those are all women. They're all (laughs) They don't have any male fans <laughs> holding signs or anything. They're all women. Well, there's not a lot of male mannequins over there. <laughs> yeah, not in this type. The company. Do you think they raided every department store in the country? Because they're not open anyway. They just took the mannequins out of the front windows. I'm going to let you work this out for a minute before I tell you what actually happened, which is uh, the team is deeply sorry and apologized a, a statement on Instagram after winning. The problem is, they said, we failed to make detailed checks in the company that we hired to bring the mannequins because it is not our fault. Fu- it is our fault, without a doubt. They brought adult dolls. <laughs> that kind of female. <laughs> I'm like, how long is it going to take you to get this, Glenn? <laughs> They're all women. Uh, blow They're up all dolls. <laughs> not blow up the actual. Oh human mannequin uh-huh. did it things. distract the players the whole time were they distracted they were the adult product mannequins that's <laughs> <laughs> what they're saying uh, did they have clothes not... on were they all naked answer that question they have clothes on okay. they this company provides adult dolls and clothing mannequins and apparently just brought the wrong kind <laughs> They say, we are deeply sorry. Um, We would like to clarify, while these mannequins have been made to look and feel like real humans, they are not for use as confirmed by the manufacturer. (laughs) (laughs) The pictures are hilarious. There's two seats in between each one of them, and they are all holding up signs, and Uh, they are all very buxom. They're on a team, by the way. It doesn't matter. I don't want to go there. <laughs> I'm just like, if you how look many at mannequins these figures, were missing after the game? How is my did question. Anybody get this like confused? <laughs> I mean, this is there's a there's what a redhead, a girl with black hair, a blonde hair. You know, different races you know, and I, orientations. I, and, my next question was going to be, and now I'm afraid to ask it: Were they piping in audience sounds? But it would be a whole different sound <laughs> if they were piping. <laughs> That's um. <laughs> Some I mean, of the dolls have been dressed in club clothes. In awe with their mouth open. 
Uh, oh my god they even had the logos of the toy sellers uh on their shirts <laughs> oh god that's great okay there you Has go there Next- been any announcement by the way about american baseball yet uh, not not yet there's there's all sorts of stuff going around uh, i'm not ready to talk about it yet okay hey, the news. come on again just shocked it took you that long to come up with it did it took me that long like like... my lucas is like in here so i'm trying to like think of gentle ways to say this because he's six um let's move on to tennessee let's go closer to home and um those of you that live in nashville uh, around the area this happened last week and um an overturned this is sad this is really sad news an overturned tractor trailer spilled onto the freeway 40,000 pounds of macaroni and cheese. <laughs> I saw the pictures of that. That's oh my a God. lot of macaroni and cheese. <laughs> that ain't your mama's mac and cheese. That is, oh my, it covered the freeway. And I, I mean, I don't know what they do run out there and like try to scoop it up. Like what happens must to have brought the, in to a bulldozer the... or something to scoop it up. 40,000 pounds. That's of 20 macaroni. tons of macaroni and cheese. <laughs> that is crazy. Now, moving on to a related story. Now, also I am hungry for macaroni in, and cheese, by the way. Now that I'm having for lunch. <laughs> and don't worry. I'm going to keep that going because that week before that, actually, I think it was the day before that, a tractor trailer fire broke out on Tuesday morning and that was hauling frozen chicken. And so they were cooking chicken (laughs) on I-840 West in Williamson County. And they also had mac and cheese in Nashville. And Glenn, you're welcome. I-65 in Middle Tennessee then had a tractor trailer fire wreck carrying pumpkin pies. God, there is <laughs> going to be nothing to eat in Tennessee this week. There is nothing to eat unless you're on the you side of the You got all three of those together, you have a barbecue place. I mean, Oh my gosh, it's like Thanksgiving. Let's have some grilled chicken, and then we're going to have some mac and, and cheese, cheese, and then we're going to top it off with pumpkin pies. Nashville is known as barbecue capital. Right there, you had all the barbecue oh, waiting to go. I've never had barbecued mac and cheese or like like uh, flame-grilled um pumpkin pie but it sounds delicious because you can't really mess up a pumpkin pie oh now i am hungry i know i'm starving let's wrap this well thank you for joining us everybody tomorrow is uh this uh let me see what is tomorrow 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 thursday is thursday and it's a sales and breeding episode with kayla and her australian co-host which uh he's become a favorite of the women in the audience so you can listen to that tomorrow morning and then friday we're giving away five hundred dollars worth of prizes on really bad ads so you have one day to get your really bad ads in to be entered in the drawing. so And I noticed a bunch coming in today, uh, this week, too. So get your bad ads in for Friday, and we're going to give away those prizes. Compliments of horselovers.com. Thank you to Chicory Wealth. Thank you to Stateline Tack, and also to the Horse Nutrition Podcast. We appreciate your support on today's Horses in the Morning. Well, that's it, Jamie. We're going to call it All a right. day. Sounds good. We'll talk to you in a second. Oh, my God. I'm on Craigslist, and there's border collie puppies. Oh! No more dogs for you. You're becoming a crazy dog lady again. You're at your limit. Four. Yeah, four. But they're so cute. Bay neuter geld. <laughs> <laughs>